needed people to be there for the blood, sweat and tears rather than uh, cash. And uh, that can only be rewarded with equity. Usually entrepreneurs, we, we have a little bit of an ego and we don't want to be told that we have a stain on our shirt or like something's wrong. Your success, once you raise money, is to chase revenue and profitability rather than that's like those words, growth hacking to uh, exponential scale. No, shut the up. Gladiators, welcome back. Today I have a, a young superstar in the studio, uh, Chiranj Chandran. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, you were on the Forbes magazine, young th uh, under 30 year olds, yes? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely proud of you. My son's um, probably probably a little bit older than you. When, when were you born? Uh, 94. 90, which month? January. January. Oh, he's January 94. Oh, wow, cool. 25th. Oh, wow. When's yours? No, you're kidding me, right? So you're one, you're one day older. Yeah. So it actually inspires me when I speak to young men. Welcome, by the way. Thank you. Welcome to the happy arena. Thank you so much. Uh, it inspires me to see young, young people doing very, very well in life. And uh, congratulations. Thank you. Um, tell us a little about your business, and then we'll dig deep, a little bit deeper to your childhood, how did you get to become who you are today, current challenges you face, and so forth. So tell us about your business empire, awesome. please. So um, my CR is the business I manage right now. Um, it's a two-way uh, platform, digital platform. Um, what we like to say is that we're building the digital foundations of the automotive industry because the automotive industry is very digitally oriented. Um, we saw pain points all across the entire industry. You know, car owners' experiences, how garages are operated, and even sometimes the manufacturers, right? Because we're going through a very pivotal shift in the industry today. Um, but yeah, that's that's what my share is. It's connecting car owners to great service providers, as well as garages to great technology. So you went out there, you qualified the garages out. Mm -hmm. So they had, a, they had to fit within a certain service level. Um, so the trust builds between the consumer and the garage that you recommend, is that how it works? Um, not really. So we went after the car owner. We okay. understood that uh, that individual is at the center of this entire scenario. And um, we went out and qualified garages, but we don't necessarily connect the customer directly to the garage. We service you, uh -huh. yeah. So you did qualify the garages. Yeah. So there is a certain standard they have to fit Absolutely. within. Okay. So the trust is there. They know whoever turns up or they go. Do they go or they, the garages come to you? So we pick up the cars and we take it to the wow, garages. Wow. Um, it's actually the one element of the experience that kind of made this entire concept very viral. Uh, it showed people the convenience mm -hmm. that's attached to, you know, what we do. Exactly. Um, especially <clears throat> because whatever happens to your car once you buy it is always a pain point. It's not a, it's not a happy emotional moment, right? So we kind of just take the pain away. That's that's what we kind of perfected. So every service on the platform is contactless. Uh, we either pick it up or drop it off or we do it on the doorstep. Amazing. Um, I'm just, I'm gonna, <laughs> personally speaking, yeah. last Two months ago, I get I got contact. I like Porsches, so mm -hmm. I have a Porsche Cayenne, and it's my wife's car. And they phoned me up and said, "Hey, do you want to extend your your two year warranty is just around? Would you want to extend it? How much is it? Eleven thousand for the next two years?" I said, "No, it's okay. It's a Porsche." Last week, the aircon goes down. <laughs> it's like almost. Over, I'm right? like, are you kidding me? Did they did they put a software in there? <laughs> if I say no, the go thing goes down. So I got um, the driver to take the car to the to Porsche garage because I fear. Yeah. You're going to educate me and the audience here. Sure. I fear if anybody else touches that air conditioning, yeah, it's, 
not it's not going to have the warranty or whatever whatever it's going to have problems selling it yeah. so they came back to me and said it's going to take three weeks to get the part 25,000 dirhams for the air conditioning and that's like five to six percent value of the car i think that's a very good example you've just given me right now mm -hmm. so Let's start with the first thing. Are you right? with me? So I'm like, oh, yeah. go ahead, because I had no other, I didn't know about your company, so yeah. I had no other option. Yeah. And I know, I know I'm being buttfucked. <laughs> I'd like to say that too. So, yes. Uh, let's start with the first thing. But I had to bend over and right? smile <laughs> whilst I was giving them my credit card details. Well, it is what it is. It's yeah. like 65% of the population goes through that, right? Uh -huh. That's actual statistic here. Um, now let's start with that first part, right? The fear, right? Mm -hmm. Which is... Why did you think that nobody else could touch this car? You've got this value depreciation that's going to happen if you give it elsewhere. It's because we're programmed that way. Where'd you buy the car from? Porsche Direct. It's a building with a massive Porsche logo. Correct. Now, where do you take it for a service? Another building with a Porsche logo. Absolutely. You speak to a guy with a Porsche logo t-shirt. Well, right? They're not particularly good anyway, but I yes. have to because have to, I feel that way, yes. So the idea is that that's kind of shifted from 2015. So 2015, out of four cars, three were new and one was used. Today, out of four cars on the road here, three are used and one are new. So the consumer's perception has shifted. They've quickly understood that, you know what? I'm not going to pay that amount. Premium. I'm just going to try a pre-owned car. And a pre-owned car doesn't come with a warranty or a service package necessarily. So what do you what do you got? You got mom and pop shops. So once you experience that mom and pop shop, it sucks. It sucks because experience is like in the middle of nowhere. You don't get the coffee when you sit down. And they tell you different things. They tell you different things. Yeah. And then what we quickly realized is... Why don't we just aggregate all the mom and pop shops? Because the one thing that doesn't change is the labor. Mm -hmm. The labor is still skilled. They know how to fix a problem. It's just the service advisory. It's the experience, right? So that's kind of where, uh, you know, I would say that, yeah, you know, you, you did get uh, a little bit. So if I there. came to you, <laughs> yeah. educate me. Would I have warranties gone anyway? Yeah, please, Aircon, right? please, please. So the dealership has SLAs. They mm -hmm. have a certain service level agreement. Aircon goes off. We need to fix everything in the air system. Correct. Right? Replace the whole thing. Yeah, yes. they won't even bother with a single part replacement. Even you might just have a tiny leak somewhere correct. in the pipe. Correct. Right? Correct. One, their labor costs too much to actually identify that, but so it's easier for them to just replace the whole system. That's why mm. you're paying twenty five k. But if you come to us, what we do is we're working with you. We have no incentive to kind of rip you off because we count on your LTV. We want you to not just purchase car service. We've got loads of other services. We need you to buy insurance from us. We need you to register your car with us. We need you to wash your car with us. I don't want you just for this one particular issue, right? So we actually take that extra time and see what's wrong with it. So yes, if it's a major component, we'll tell you, hey, sorry, we gotta, we got to change the entire system. But if it isn't, we'll actually tell you, this is the one faulty part. It's going to cost you like 20 bucks. It's 20 bucks part price. Honestly, I really feel, labor. yeah. Here's what it is. Mm. And everything is uh, documented, by the way. So if you give your car to us for any service, we perform a complete 360 visual check that comes on your WhatsApp as a PDF report. And that's the level of transparency you wow. deserve as a customer. right? That's how we win your trust. And that's why you don't trust the dealerships. Uh, it's yeah. gone. And yeah. I know I'm being screwed. So um, how do I sign up to you? <laughs> and also, I, because I have supercars, right? All mm. my cars are nice. And, I fear that in the hands of the wrong person, they get scratched, yeah. they're not going to get washed. Like yeah. you said, washing. I love somebody to come around and wash my cars. Yeah, yeah. You do that? So we do I'm that on the doorstep. Mm -hmm. um, we've actually got uh, one of the best car washes because in my opinion, um, I, I'm not necessarily environmentally conscious to the extent that I'm going around hugging trees. 
But when I see wastage, I because I notice you you saving like eleven point two million yeah. liters of yeah. water or something. So and that's you, that's purely because the car wash is waterless. We use like uh, eight hundred ml of water mm-hmm. with a chemical compound, and that that compound actually makes your car uh, shiny and nice stay yeah. stay cleaner for like six days longer mm-hmm. than a normal mm-hmm. car wash. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that being said, we understand that like convenience still drives everything, right? Um, people won't necessarily change the service today, at least in this region, because you're more environmentally friendly, um, because there's no legislation for it yet. That's strict. Um, but the idea is that you want to come down every day to your cars. You want to pick one out and you want to be like, it's clean. I don't have to bother about, you know, whether it's, it's, it's dirty, my rims are looking crap or, you know, my, there's an engine light on my dash. I have an appointment in two hours. Oh, I've got to go and yeah, yeah, I'll get a driver or whatever it yeah. is. It's an inconvenience, right? So in the MySera experience, you just hop on the app and get what you want. And in uh, 30 minutes, someone comes to you. Are they all employed by you? Or again, it's relationships yeah. that you have with different people? That's a, that's a very good question. So um, my experience before this was mainly B2C. Um, and from the B2C approach, I've understood that Every touch point needs to be a MySera employee. So if you call somebody, it's a MySera sure. employee. Mm-hmm. If you're dealing with somebody on a help center or a live chat, it's a MySera employee. The guys who pick up the cars are your My employees. Employee. Mm-hmm. But everybody else is independently contracted, right? Okay. Because um, that's not my skill set. My skill set is not to go out and fix and rebuild. An you're just co- consumer service. Exactly. Outstanding level of service. Yeah. Amazing. And do you mind if I ask how much you charge for washing cars? Absolutely. Please. Uh, we are currently doing subscriptions that start from 80 dirhams a month. That beats wow. any security car. washer, cleaner washer, contracting washer. Per car. Per car, yeah. And how many times wash? Uh, four times a month. That's amazing. I know. We're, we're trying to capture the market. That, so that's Before the... you leave, I'm going to sign up to everything you've got. Seriously. I can't wait. Right? I can't wait. I can't wait. I wish we met last week. I wanted to, to pay 25. And for, yeah. the, for the privilege, I had to pay up front. Oh, wow. They had to buy the parts, right? It's my commitment. That's, that's and okay. my car sitting in the garage for the last week, yeah. another two weeks in the garage. Yeah, the time I get it. I get the time element of it because, you know, the parts... The parts may have come Germany. The, yeah, the parts are just a crazy industry in the world, to be honest. Like, just think about the permutations of this, right? You've got each individual car with 30,000 unique components, and that doesn't skip to each model year, make, and mm-hmm. sub-model. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine the amount of components. And now you've got all the software and stuff like yeah. this. I have a number of electric cars. Yeah. And it's constant software updates. And I bought the new BMW mm. 7 Series with a cinema. Uh, i7. Oh, the one with the... Oh. With, a, with a cinema screen, 32 inch cinema I'm screen. I always right? put a PlayStation in the back of that. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we, we had a yeah. nice car for the kids, so, but it had screens in the back of the front seats. Yeah. And when I saw that, I thought, I always wanted one of those. So, you know, we get spoiled in Dubai. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to buy a brand new 7 Series for my kids to go to school (laughs) in. Just just for that half an hour process. They don't see how spoiled they are. Anyway, it's quite a 600,000 dirhams. And uh, for the last three months, two and a half months, I still haven't had a software update from BMW to have the damn cinema working. Wow. That's shocking. Isn't it? shocking. Yeah. We buy the car and we just keep phoning up the dealership. And I'm sure the dealership could do it quicker. Mm. But I just wonder if these dealerships are even bothered anymore. Because the, the money comes from the service charges, doesn't it? Does yeah. it come from the sale of a car? Um, here it's it kind of after. does. Here it kind of does. They still make margin. They're sold monopolies, right? Mm-hmm. So sold monopolies, they have they can charge you whatever. Anything you like. Check the MSRP of a Range Rover in the UK and the MSRP of a Range Rover here. How much more? Night and day. It's like 250k more. Because you have like the more demand, you've mm-hmm. got like uh, limited supply, stuff like that. Yada, yada, yada. So you do pay more here. Yeah, for sure. 
And uh, I think what's changing, however, back to what you said, is that, um, see, the manufacturers are changing. Like, there's a pivotal shift in the industry. What's happening is you've got how much I know you're a car guy. I can I can understand that from what you're saying right now. But there is an EV dawn that's 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 about to, you know, come mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I think is very interesting because most of these companies are going to completely flip their infrastructure around. Uh, you can't use a regular mechanic to go out and service and repair an EV vehicle. It's a completely new system. This It needs different machinery. You were dealing with a gasoline product. Now you're dealing with a high voltage battery, right? So back to your question on like, okay, why doesn't this guy have the software update? It's because they're just not trained or skilled yet, right? True. And I believe that manufacturers are also getting smarter. They're looking for more direct-to-consumer channels. And what's stopping them today, right? Look at Tesla. Everything is D2C. Would you drive a Tesla? Do you have a Tesla? Um, no, I'm actually still on IC engines. I'm the guy that's still... You might actually find the oil in your fingers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right now. But I do understand and appreciate the technology that's come through. Um, what, what, I, what I believe about you know, electric vehicles in general is that they haven't solved the world's problems. The world's problems is we have an energy crisis, right? They haven't kind of solved that just yet because they're still using stuff that, you know... Yeah, like playing these yachts. Yeah. We're talking about all these yachts now in the in the yeah. seas, billionaires just pumping gasoline. In yeah, it. yeah, we haven't solved that crisis, really? but what they've solved is they've solved the automotive industry. Yes. Like I told you, 30,000 unique parts for a petrol or gasoline engine car or diesel. Um, but for an EV, that's like double digits. We're talking about like 20 to 30 parts. Wow. Now that's amazing. It is amazing. That's solved the automotive industry, right? Why, why are you not driving an electric car? Um, here today? Infrastructure, really. Uh-huh. When I I got a uh, Taycan Turbo S, and I was I, I think one of uh, the twentieth person in in the UAE to get it. It's right at the beginning, and they showed me that on the screen it tells you where you can get the car charged. Right, yeah. so fantastic. I sort of to yeah. Abu Dhabi. Oh wow, cool. Awesome. So now for me, it's it's range anxiety. It's it no wait wait years. wait. This is yeah. coming. This is the range oh, anxiety. Okay, okay, so got I got went it, to Abu Dhabi, yeah. and. Um, there was no charges in this hotel. Mm. And it was right at the beginning. It's about two years ago. And he said 200 kilometers back. And I calculated, I'll make it to Dubai with 10 kilometers or 50 kilometers spare. Mm. Halfway through, nothing. Oh, God. Right? And he's telling me yeah. where, which garages to go to on the way. Turn up, not working. Turn up, it's not there. Yeah. I, ran out of, I ran out of juice in the middle of Sheikh Zayed Road yeah. from Abu Dhabi. Yeah. 11 o'clock at night. Now, with the electric car, everything locks. Yeah. So steering wheel's locked. I can't open the doors. Everything's gone out. My battery on my car's running, f- uh, um, on my phone's running flat. I can't recharge it. Yeah. No, I wish I had a petrol car. Spent <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so 1.2 million on this yeah. damn thing. And then yeah. and the, the guy comes out about an hour later to pick me up. And he's complaining from Porsche mm. that he hasn't been trained. Yeah. So they launch these damn cars and I don't know how to operate these cars. They, they have a pressure. There's, yeah. there's a gray market. Yes. That's, that's an here, opportunity, right? right? Uh, a lot of people have been doing it. Like if you look at uh, the Russell Core used car market, mm-hmm. um, for people that don't know what it is, it's essentially a free zone. Um, it was used for re-export, but most of these guys have understood that, wait, you know, we can actually get in EVs and people actually want them. Yes. Right? And they're doing, in my opinion, was, a decent that, job. I went there uh, when I was looking for the BM because I couldn't get the one I wanted, the color. Yeah. to them there. Volkswagen's. Thousands everywhere. I couldn't I believe it. I think the estimate last I heard, uh, I might be wrong on this because obviously there's no organized data here, but there's 
45,000 Volkswagen IDs sold from that market. And that's that's nuts. That's Amazing, nuts. isn't it? Some dealerships, like you know, they they work head over heels for that that number. So, yeah. with the market going that way, what's going to happen to your business? Oh, I love that question. Mm. I, I was just, I, you know, I, for me, I love future proofing stuff. Like it's it's been my entire journey since I've been working since I was seventeen, right? Yeah. Um, so, future proofing for us looks into exactly the biggest pain points you have as an mm -hmm. EV owner. Mm -hmm. You turn up to a charger, damn things are working. Yes. You turn up, maybe you don't have the right connector. Correct. Is it a fast charger? Is it not a fast charger? Or somebody else is using it. Or is it utilized or not mm -hmm. utilized? So the immediate thing for us is we understand that the charging infrastructure here is obviously evolving. being promoted. Yes. It's being evolving. It's mm -hmm. in its early stages. Mm -hmm. But I'm with the consumer. I'm your best bud, right? So I want to be able to create an IoT system with these chargers via an API that you can essentially see, one, where are the chargers? Two, what kind of charger is it? Three, is it in function and condition? What kind of charging speeds can it do? Is it DC? Is it fast charging? Okay. Is it super fast charging, et cetera? Through your app. Through the app. This one app that you have can give you all. Exactly. And then the last one being what kind of connectors it has as well. Because tomorrow, I see this as a real estate game that if you dominate the technology side of these chargers, you're you able can get to, them to push the cars, your yeah, cars. Through. Exactly. They sell more EVs. Other EV brands want to maybe rent that space. So right now, the Mercedes and the Toyotas and the Teslas, because I only use my home one now yeah. because I'm so scared of going anywhere else, they're all different, mm -hmm. the connections that they really need. So I think the connector's name is J13722 or 1722. Mm -hmm. That's like the most uh, uh, common, common uh, charging. Tesla has its own adapter, just like Apple has lightning ports, right? Mm -hmm. they, they went smart with that. Gosh. Um, and then a couple of them have different types of J13722 chargers as well. There's like different types. So type not that. Uh, so it's not open. Like when you go no, to every mall, every no. they're not they're specific to each car. Yeah, well, so Tesla has the most, each, right? Yeah, they dominate. Am I right? Tesla dominates. Here? Uh, not not at all. I, mm. I don't. I don't think it's it's that high. Uh, to be honest, I don't think any chargers here are in abundance, right? Mm -hmm. uh, based on the amount of uh, cars. cars that are projected to come here. Yes. Uh, I still feel like every charging network has like five percent or six percent utilization. <laughs> uh, but that's the that's the problem we face here, right? Uh, this is something that the, the supply of chargers need to exceed by far in order to attract the amount Correct. of consumers. Correct. And uh, how I see it is rather than building loads of chargers all over the place, use simple technology to aid the user, the consumer to understand. Take the headache away. Yes, exactly. exactly. What about having mobile chargers? Uh, because you have you have yeah. units all over the place, yeah, right? Yeah. So there's Can a company in the U.S. called Rody. Uh, it's actually a very smart uh, piece of technology. They make they make this giant battery bank. Right? Mm -hmm. It's like the power banks that you use. Yes, yes. But these huge mega units that like fast charger EV, but they're insanely expensive. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't think there's enough of a market right now to substantially to make money and get these chargers. But mm -hmm. yeah, eventually, of course, there will be. The funniest thing I saw was uh, there was a Tesla on the side of the road with a tow truck. And a diesel generator. <laughs> and yeah, I'm like, think, hang on, this doesn't kind of work. Yeah. That's the state yeah, of the yeah, energy yeah. crisis, in my opinion, right? Like, that's Amazing. how we're, we're not really solving any sort of massive environmental issue today with that. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Um, I had an idea. Sure. Because we used to have a hospitality business. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that um, restaurants were going to different suppliers. Mm. And they were getting screwed. You know, it's rice from here, yeah. chickpeas from here, vegetables, fish from here. And so what I did was, not that is similar to what I did was I went to qualified uh, suppliers, wholesalers, and I negotiated better discounts. And I went to restaurants and set up a website 
And I said to them, right, if you join my website and just pay a small subscription, you can benefit from this That's purchasing power. Yeah. Yes. But you know what? Because I'm an entrepreneur, I opened it, got lots of people interested, and I just walked away. <laughs> I just did nothing with it. Did yeah. nothing with it. That happens. So how did you, because I know yeah. it's a long process, right? How did you get it started? Because another idea is there, the concept is that how much time and effort and money do you invest in it? When do you get traction? When, but how, tell us the story. So um, just to you know, kind of clarify, Miser is two different um, companies, like sub-companies. One is your B2C and one is your B2B. So I'll answer you according to each vertical because that's very important to uh, understanding the flywheel effect. So you look at the B2C, very clear, win over the consumer, solve their problems, make their life easier, make their experience amazing, right? And be horizontal throughout their car ownership journey. For the B2B, it's incredibly difficult because there's a trust issue that happens, right? Why do I have to work with this person? I'm, I have cars in my garage. I right? have my own customers. Yeah, I have my own yeah. customers. Like, why, do you, why do I need to work with them and give them a discount, mm -hmm. right? I can make more money mm -hmm. by myself. Um, so the first thing we did is we understood that, look, we're going to try and see where they really are failing. Because usually entrepreneurs, we, we have a little bit of an ego. And we don't want to be told that we have a stain on our shirt or like something's wrong. So we went out there and we said that we can make you more money. Because a garage is like uh, real estate, right? You need to utilize your real estate to make more money. Right? If a single garage bay can do Spare nine capacity, cars yeah, exactly. over two cars, mm -hmm. you make money. Right? Exactly. So we did that. We started diverting them more customers. Give us a chance. Let's yeah. prove to you. Let's prove to you. Free. Free of charge. Mm -hmm. right? We're just going to keep giving you customers. And then they quickly understood that, crap, apart from the rent, my biggest expense is service advisory. Mm -hmm. And I always screw up mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. Right? These guys are my service advisors. So I, I become like a factor. All they want to do yeah. is just look after the cars. Yeah, they don't want to talk to the customer, nothing. Yeah. And you take care of the payments. And exactly. So they, they, they understood that they're saving money there. They're making more money because we're sending them more cars. And then the last thing, which is supply chain. Now, like you very, very rightly said, supply chain is a, is a insane. Like it's a, it's, a, it's a crazy coup out there, right? And um, so... Before uh, my Sierra, I was helping my family business with their automotive chain of cars. Unfortunately, they went ban bankrupt. Okay. And it's for this very reason. In Dubai. Yeah. Okay. And I, I can talk to you all about We're going to do that also, well, yeah. Because that's the dips that I tell you that sure. sometimes you and don't And you see. witnessed. And, yeah. Yeah. and you also go through, right? Oh, cool. um, so when we look at that uh, chain of garages, we were dealing with various suppliers, like for a single car, you would deal with like <coughs> nine to ten different suppliers mm -hmm. at various payment terms. Yes. And that's frustrating. You're you're not then you're not buying based on data, you're buying based on intuition. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And based on what kind of you know uh, cash flow cycle you have. Correct. So we quickly understood we're gonna take that away for you guys. What we're gonna do is you have one stop shop, which is my Sarah. We're giving you customers, which means that we owe you money. And now we can even Adjust Supply, your risk wow. by supplying spare parts to you. you and yours is, you, you store in your um, warehouse? So, you know, so again, yeah. you're the middle people, you go to the manufacturer. Interestingly so, distributors. Uh, we, so we have about $100 million worth of virtual inventory across the world. And okay. again, just, just the insights is enough, right? Like the, the, the air con on your Porsche, why is it taking 25 days? Do you have any idea where that part is? Stuttgart, I guess. Probably, right? But the idea is that if I told you ahead of time that, look, I've got two more suppliers, one in the Netherlands, one in Australia, 
I can get you that part in seven days and I'll charge you like maybe 3% more. Would you consider it? Absolutely. Because if for most people here, they have just... You won't be charging me 3% over 25 grand. You'll be charging me 3% <laughs> over a few hundred quid. No, like so yeah. 800, yeah, yeah, yeah. 800, 800 quid or like you know, 1,000 quid. Holy crime. Uh, right. So back, back to what we were talking about. <laughs> yes. So uh, we started a virtual inventory and then we, we realized that we're seeing data all over the place, right? Keep in mind, we are a tech company. So we see consumer data, we see supply chain data, uh, what kind of cars are being, uh, you know, fixed and repaired. So we can now order based on data, right? So we started keeping a $2 million inventory uh, locally in Sharjah, um, the home of warehouses. <laughs> so uh, we started keeping our just-in-time inventory there. So that our lead times to the garages are like extremely low. And they love it now because now they have someone. Headache free. Headache free. Nobody's yeah. standing in the office chasing, shouting, screaming, where's my part? Yeah. You promised me this. Then. So uh, to summarize your, your question, um, where did I start off? Being obsessed about pain points. Like get on the ground, man. Just get on the ground. Sit with people. It doesn't matter who you're speaking to. Take off your tie. Take off whatever you wear. Just, you know, just take off your ego. Take off your ego, right? Ask questions. Ask questions. Be alert. Dig deep. Yeah. yeah, and then just pain point obsessed. Amazing. Yeah. So I find with my clients, getting the consumer habits to change is an expensive process. Yeah. So how do you do that? Do you do like very clever marketing? Mm. How do you get the consumer to start using your app? So when someone asks me, um, how did you, like, you know, how did you set up a company? How did you essentially get traction? How did you get that success? Um, I don't think it's a business model. I don't think it's pricing. I don't think it's your marketing. It's client service. Uh, not even that. I think it's timing. Okay. The amount of business. Some people call it luck, but the fact that yes. you, you took the it's initiative yeah. at the spring of the opportunity. Absolutely. Right? I think that uh, tomorrow, if there's, let's, let's assume right now there's a regulation that, um, you know, uh, you have to only drive an EV. What happens to all the EV suppliers? They make a lot of money because mm -hmm. the timing's right, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, and if you're sitting on a lot of EVs, hey ho, you just got lucky, right? So for us, that was COVID. What what, what we understood was uh, when we set up the company, COVID hit. And I literally, I remember sitting with my co-founder being like, what do we do? <laughs> this is going to be bad. People aren't going to drive, right? People are going to be locked up at home. What do we do? And then we actually did a digital campaign saying, call me for anything. Just call me for anything. Just speak to us, right? We didn't care if you needed car service. We would even deliver you water if you wanted, right? Because we just wanted to do something. Yes. And then when we when we saw that, we quickly saw that there was a lot of people still driving. Who were they? They were frontline workers. Hmm. And that's what I meant by timing, because these guys were ambassadors. They were the ones still moving around. They had to get a lot of stuff done. There were no garages open. There was nothing open for their car, but they still had to drive. And we understood that they were going to experience the convenience and of course, once you see how convenient the process is, it's cheaper than what you were paying for before. You had to justify why your guys were on the road then. Yes. yes. And don't even get me started with that. Oh, I'll be honest with you. Oh, a boy. lot of the months we were like... Um, is it worth it? Is it, is it worth oh. it? Because these guys are... We're, we were scared back then, right? Because most of the people didn't even get COVID. So they were just like, why are you putting us through this I place? used to live in the Fairmont. Yeah. One person got COVID. They shut the whole building. <laughs> the ambulance came. Police came yeah. right at the beginning. Do you remember? Yeah. yeah. Mm. It's like the guy that, and and we definitely rewarded everybody there uh, for the risk as well. Most of these guys are now managers, whoever it was, you know. How many staff do you have now? So we're extremely, extremely lean team. Like for the revenues we do, we're about like seventy people. That includes the independent contractors as well. 
So if it's just people in the office, we're looking at recruitment people. And then what, call center staff? You have call center staff? It's call center staff. Uh, I hate calling them call center staff because they're much more, you know? They're, they're client-facing. They're like service engineers. Yeah, okay. like, these guys are like uh, car passionate. Frontline. Right? Oh, do, do they have to have car knowledge? Um, do, they, do you consult <laughs> on the phone? Uh, yeah, they do. They actually, mm. so how I like it is when we hired uh, the first few service advisors, uh, we kind of asked them what their favorite car was. And I know this might not be as professional, but their their answer really got me to understand how yeah, passionate they are yes. with cars. So they're all men? Um, no, there's actually women in there as well. Mm. Yeah. yeah, That was interesting, but because you wouldn't expect women that, interested right? in cars, yeah, man. That's absolutely, amazing. Absolutely. And then you always have the curious types as well that when that that's just quick learners. So they might not know anything about anything. And and all all the all our staff is young. Like I think I'm probably the second oldest person in the office, right? And I'm under thirty. Um, so I'm all, not going to come to your company. <laughs> <ever>. <laughs> You'll see something funny there. We actually draw on the walls as well because, like, as a stress buster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, nice. But yeah, it's it's a super young office. So you have a fun environment office, yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Like I think that it's the most, um, let's say, carefree in the way where we don't have the kinds of rules and regulations. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think a single person has ever worn a suit in that office in the past mm-hmm. three years. Mm-hmm. The idea is that we just care about getting shit done. Wow, and it sounds cliche, but it truly is. So right now you grow through referrals and digital marketing. Yeah. Do you do are there any campaigns, marketing campaigns? So we did something crazy last year. Um, I don't know if I can go too technical on digital marketing. Do whatever you want. Go, okay, go ahead, so, wherever you want to go. So with digital marketing, um, we quickly saw that we were not getting return on, on ad spend. Mm-hmm. Right. This is after close to twenty twenty one beginning. Just let you know, sure. my son runs a digital company here. We, we top three percent Google partners. Oh wow, cool! Yeah, that's Amazing. what Irina does. Yeah, Amazing. Our so, bread and butter is our digital business. So th- this might be quite interesting as well. I'd um, love you to meet him. Many. He's in England now. He comes back tonight. So I, I would love to. I love yeah, you. Yeah, you guys will get on very well because he's self-made, very successful. Yeah. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. So with uh, digital in particular, uh, I, I don't condone digital advertising. I just wanted to try something different, sure. right? And what I saw was um, there's a trend, which is post-COVID, a lot of businesses went digital. Mm-hmm. But the audience that was you know, looking at ads was pretty much the same because Facebook didn't grow tenfold in their user base. Instagram didn't. TikTok might have. Right? But these digital platforms were still pretty much having the same viewership. And the number of businesses advertising went up to 10x. Right. So then what, what happens to each user's impression cost? It shot through the roof. Mm-hmm. So I went like, okay, we're doing a service that's not as frequent, right? You service your car in Dubai 1.7 times a year, mm-hmm. right? And uh, we need to look for frequency. So we got we acquired a car wash company that was uh, uh, integrated to us as a they were supplied before, so we bought them and added them to the stack. So now we're like, look, we have frequency, but things still didn't move the needle so much. So we killed all budgets. Now this is something that and then you have to be creative, and we put billboards all over in the country. Yeah. And we just did that. Wow. We went with an offline strategy. So I read this article um, of Silicon Valley startups buying advertising companies, not digital, but like billboard companies. And I, I really wondered why they did that. So I got, on, I got in touch with some of the people there, uh, some of the people that did that. And what they said is, if you're selling a, a high value service, right, which is like car services, you need to trust me. For most people, a car is their biggest asset, right? How do you trust some dude with the yeah, website? Yeah, it's the next best right? friend. Yeah. It's the next best friend. It's your, it's, it even aids your life. Like some people without a car can't make money anymore because they can't go to work. They can't do meetings, right? So they're stuck. 
So there's a trust building element. And then when you're seeing nine ads of nine garages saying, hey, we can do this for you, we can do you start to lose trust in these guys. So we, we did something, it was a massive investment. Huge. And we just- Big risk. All the digital marketing budgets were cut and we just watched. How much did you invest um, in billboards? It's, it's, it's over, over $3 million. So over how long? Um, over a year's time. Wow. Over a year's time. How much was your first investment commitment? Uh, it was our first massive commitment this way. Our, uh, you didn't sign up to three million straight away, did you? You just said, let's have a three-month campaign. No, straight away. No. <laughs> straight away. It was, it was literally... To, it was a, to get the, the rate that you wanted, you had to commit yeah, to that period. Yeah. Um, and, and also, uh, to be honest, it, it, it's even over, over five, right? The idea is that I still... It, it shakes me because I'm the kind of person that, you know... We, me and my co-founder, we're not from like super wealthy backgrounds, mm -hmm. right? Um, but these are numbers that we were like, are you serious? Are we yeah, the telephone this, was just right? going through my hands. Yeah, because yes. it's, 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 it's just, okay, we got to do it. Because we, we believed in the strategy. And uh, So how many deals yeah. do you have to, how many clients do you have to sign up to break even for three million? So here's the interesting thing, right? Um, what that ended up doing was creating trust in the industry. Now, what I expected from it was a huge, enormous of clients and of course that came in users were flowing through the roof um but what i didn't expect is how the industry responded to it we started getting partnerships that were worth much more and these partnerships were with you know massive conglomerates uh, automotive manufacturers other garages garage chains right because now you've just solidified yourself as a brand and you've got massive equity and people want to partner with you and i didn't expect that so right? you raised your uh yeah, brands raised our, through the marketplace. Raised yeah. our valuation. Wow. It raised uh, essentially what kind of partnerships that came across our mm -hmm. board. Like if you look at any of our billboards, I, th I still think we have some of them up. You'll see Exxon Mobil there. Wow. What is a tiny startup in the UAE? It's got Exxon Mobil. Yeah. <laughs> so stuff like that, right? We didn't. The didn't trust is huge on that. Yeah. Um, incredible. So you, who's in charge of your marketing? You are. What does your partner do? How do you um, divide the workload? Yeah, uh, good question. So we're uh, essentially five main people within the office. Uh, uh, I take up the marketing as well as the today's issues, right? I call it today's issues. Uh, and then my co-founder is strategy, finance, and then tomorrow's issues, right? Okay. And then we've got a chief technology officer who takes care of the entire architecture of technology, a product officer who takes care of the front and uh, consumer-facing products or user-facing products. And then we've got a growth officer uh, who looks at partnerships and essentially scaling what we have today. Beautiful. Yeah. And uh, you're all friends from the past, or you became become uh, friends, or you're not you're not friends at all. Um, okay, so I met my co-founder three months before we started my Sarah. Wow! And I I think that you meet well, in a social environment, or we had a meeting. Uh, he wanted to sell me some lubricants. I wanted to sell him some batteries, and then I was like, "What is a guy under the age of thirty doing in my office selling me automotive products? Because this is an industry that you don't see a lot of young people." Mm -hmm. A lot of glass ceiling, a lot of uh, you know legacy stuff. So I was like, and then he told me he has a warehouse with a tech team, and I'm like, what? The, nobody has that in the UAE or even the region, right? What are you doing with and that? He said, I have an idea. And yeah, and then we had the idea. So um, what I understood is that we were polar opposites, and I love that. Like mm -hmm. me and him don't hang out. We don't go out for dinners. Mm -hmm. We don't. We don't do any of that. We see each other in the office, and we go to business. We we go to work, right? And I understood that. I take his critique so seriously because he's my polar opposite. Like whatever I'm bad at, he's good at. Whatever he's he's bad at, I'm good at. And I start to really trust him that, that way, right? So someone you can be vulnerable with is someone that'll make you stronger. 
I think it's really important as long as they don't step on your toes, right? So if you're the oh, creative yeah. guy, the marketer, he shouldn't come and tell you what to do. Mm. And you don't want to tell him what to do. You respect yeah. each other, you your boundaries. Absolutely. And together you enhance. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And uh, I, I think also people going through the same thing also helps. Uh, he, he had very similar issues to myself as well. Um, we both went through several entrepreneurship journeys. We weren't like uh, the silver spoon yes. child or anything like that. So um, we've, we've been through our fair share of stuff. And I liked that. I liked having somebody that I could like fall back on and like you know, even uh, understand each other's problems. Um, and yeah, I, 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 I still call it to date the quickest relationship I've ever had. <laughs> and, and you get on, you respect each other. Absolutely. No sure. money issues, no, no nothing. No, and then no. when you hired people, you liquidated your... Um, shareholding yeah. the other three people yes absolutely so we we understood that um we can't be or diluted should i say yeah we we can't be uh equity obsessed mm -hmm. um i think this is a statement that a lot of people relate to a two percent of a billion dollar company is more than you know like hundred percent of a hundred percent of a million dollar company so um essentially what we understood is that we gotta keep our team together because um we we don't take fat salaries we take uh lean lean salaries like you know what's uh, even sometimes under market what's fair and i think that uh, we needed people to be there for the blood sweat and tears rather than the cash Correct. and uh, that can only be rewarded with equity and it's our jobs as uh, founders to increase that equity mm -hmm. value right mm -hmm. by whatever we're doing so that's been the culture there um we have a 24-hour office people can sleep there and use whatever the hell they want there um yeah so we did we did we have Fantastic. a very decent employee stock option. Plan. Fantastic. Um, you've raised money. Who was in charge of that? All of you? Who did the presentations? Um, who, and how did it feel? Um, so the first time we raised money was uh, the weirdest thing I've ever done in my entire life, right? Because um, me and my co-founder, uh, Answer, we were always bootstrapped. So the very first exit I had, the next thing I did, I bootstrapped another startup, failed. So you sold yeah. businesses before? Yeah, but when I was 21. Mm -hmm. So um, essentially for him as well, it was bootstrap. We didn't understand. Who did you sell to? Um, what business was it? In it? it was a theater. It was like completely Yeah, because that was, yeah, film theater. So that's gone. The theater's gone. Yeah. It's, like, it's, I was going to ask you about that one. Not, it was not tech. It was a creative platform. It was like the most basic thing known to man, right? And it, was, okay. it wasn't even sold for that much money. It was sold for like six figures, but like not that much, like okay. what, what we look But you found the buyer, right? So that's, yeah. that's, that needs, needs a skill. Yeah, exactly, right. exactly. Now I think uh, back then as well, it was pain points, right? It was just looking at my jobless friends uh, going to several casting calls and not getting anything done. And I was like, why don't we just aggregate- Do I know this calls? theater? It's in Canterbury. No, no, it's oh, super tiny. Oh, in the UK. Yeah, in the UK. All right, it's not cool. even here. Okay. Um, so it was like a young adult, uh, you know, what's it called? A mm -hmm. platform for them mm -hmm. to do plays. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, back to back to what I was saying. Um, so when we when we raised money, it was the weirdest thing because we always bootstrapped ourselves, right? And I didn't understand the concept of going out and asking people to invest in the company when we didn't have anything. I was very uncomfortable. With we we got to have cash to show them that it's making money. And uh, yeah, I was very uncomfortable with mm -hmm. that because um, I knew I didn't have product market fit. If it was like begging bowl job. Yeah. Uh -huh. uh, also, it's it's okay to ask for help if you've got something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, yes. I don't think you should be asking for help if you don't have anything. Right. Sure. That that's that's conning somebody. 
That's how you felt, right? Look that's at, how I look felt. at Uber. That's right? how I felt. Yeah, yes. exactly. That's how I felt. Yeah. So what we what we did is, uh, unless and until we didn't have a product out there and we didn't have traction, we didn't go out and fundraise. So we actually put in our own savings and mm-hmm. we, we put in quite a bit of money, right? And um, we tested with that. We experimented with that. And then when we had a fair idea and we had traction, we went out and raised money. And I think that that's something that's... Who'd you, uh, who'd you go to? Where'd you go? Like, if somebody's um, listening to this now, like... Sure. Do I phone my bank manager? Do I who do who do I go friends to? Friends and family. Is that how you started? Oh, I see. And I see. and I wouldn't even I do I'm not so close to my uh, family. We don't have a big family or anything. But I mean, you ask your friends and family mm-hmm. who are angels. Mm-hmm. You ask your friends and family who's in the industry. Okay. Uh, so you still had to do them a presentation, right? Oh, you had yeah, to give yeah, them sure. uh, shares, equity in the yeah. company, right? Yeah. So it still had to be a profit. Nobody's gonna say, oh, "I love you." Here's some no, half no, a million dollars. Of course right? not. Of course not. Like I think even the angels that were first-time angels um had very good question very good technical technical knowledge um but what's what's wrong today is that a lot of people um they don't they don't prove their traction mm-hmm. and i think that that's 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 something that's very very um it's it's, it's wrong right mm-hmm. i don't understand why you raise more money than your revenue today i don't understand uh, why you after years of even being public, cannot turn a profit. Because they don't have knowledge of running a business. Yeah. they just riding on the back of a wave of a lot of money around, get yeah. it in. Yeah. yeah. I, I, there's never been a business that I've had hasn't turned into profit after three months. Yeah, see, that, that, that makes a lot of sense because you're going in there. You have a success formula. Yeah, you have a formula of success, right? And now you can mm-hmm. copy-paste this to like any situation, right? Correct. And I think that when... Um, you don't de- develop that skill. You make a lot of mistakes, and these mistakes cost millions and millions of dollars. Now, I, I see that as a very, very screwed up scenario, and I think that uh, venture capital has their own issues to fix on that. Um, but at least for another founder out there, I'd say that your 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 success once you raise money is to chase revenue and profitability rather than anything else. Like forget those words, you know. Um, growth hacking to uh, exponential scale. No, shut the fuck up. Make your first Make dollar. Money, yeah, Make exactly. your first dollar. And it then... makes you feel amazing, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. When you look at the numbers, you've actually positive. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Yeah. No, it's like... That means you've actually achieved something. <laughs> you, you, you're delivering what you promised, right? Yeah. You've, you've made something mm-hmm. from your brain to like yeah, a dollar. Exactly. You don't awesome. keep digging yeah. in your back pocket and put more money in. Yeah. So you said first round of raising money. Have you raised a number of times? We we have done two runs. Okay. Now. So we've done like a... Has the valuation of the company grown? Uh, it's grown 10x since three years. Wow. And the second uh, round was with friends and family again? Or no, you uh, went to no, venture it was capital? A, so the first ever round was like, uh, again, these investors that came in were people that we knew from our friends and family. Oh, okay. So essentially, they were people in financial... Uh, mm-hmm positions mm-hmm. in like you know large corporates uh, co- corporates but they used to invest as angels right okay uh, so very nice people like we've got uh, people from aries capital management that's our board member we've got another person from gia what's the minimum amount of investment in your company now um so here's what's amazing right if um, i was an angel investor yeah so it's oh. around fifty thousand okay. dollars um and our next round is our series a and that would be the cap for it and the only reason for that is not because we we won't accept your two thousand dollar check mm-hmm. it's because it makes these fractional shares very very mm-hmm. difficult to deal with right um and uh, how, how i look at it is that you know even with all the money that we've raised 
it's around $1.8 million in cash. Okay. And uh, this is across 26 or 27 different investors. So okay. you got to even update each investor. You need to have investor relations. So right now that, that cap is higher because we want to limit the amount of investors, of not because we don't want your money. Yes. Yeah. So we'll accept like a because they're cu- they're customers. You got to keep yeah, in touch with them. You got to make sure that they're in the know. Yes. So what's the exit if I invested yeah. hundred grand? Yeah. So um, we see two routes of exit. Uh, one is an automotive conglomerate just picking us up, being like, "Look, they've got a great service network. They've got big amount of loyal customers. Uh, around fifty-five percent of our customers repeat, which yeah. is like uh, e-commerce statistics that's beyond the industry. Um, and also, if we see us going public in the local." Uh, stock exchange, right? Because I I am a fan of what's happening here. Uh, there's a lot more co- companies going public. There's even SMEs going public here. And that could also be a route to exit. But I, I see the strategic thing happening more than the public list. When? Uh, we've actually projected for 2025. So oh, not that far away. Yeah, let's, let's uh, keep it. Do you have any other, other ventures on the go? Uh, no, I believe it in true focus. Focus, focus, focus. Um, Obviously, you go to the gym. You got an amazing body. So, yeah, where did you get time for that? <laughs> well, how often do you go to work? Every um, day? Yeah, well, every day. I think that getting in touch with everybody is uh, necessary every day, even if it's via a Zoom call, even if it's via one hour. Okay, so you're not necessarily physically there nine no, to six. No, 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 yeah. not at all. I think that that's. Um, I, I don't know. I think it's it's, it's it depends on the industries, right? Like if you're a cashier at a supermarket, yeah, you got to be there every day, right? You got to be there in the morning. You got to stay your shift. Mm-hmm. Um, but it depends on the nature. And I feel like negative space really helps me, you know, see the bigger picture. And I do everything for it. So I wake up, I go to the gym. Uh, what time do you wake up? So I wake up at like, it depends, eight to nine, right? Okay. It's never something. Which gym do you go to? Train SF. Okay, I don't like that one. Which one do you go to? The, the one in Alcoos, yeah, I don't yeah, like why? it. Why? It's interesting, because I think I've just been there because I got I used to it. I better not say anything else. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair, fair. We're, we're not going to... Li- I go to Seven. I used to go to Seven. I yeah, I like Seven. seven. Oh, that's interesting. I, I like so Seven. You know, the sound system's better. The, the, I like the carpet on the floor. The, the padded. I, I, I like I the quality. That. Every time I go to the gym, I go every day. And after the gym okay. session, I have a massage. Mm. They take care of my car parking outside. Okay, no. I think I know why you were so familiar when I looked at you. Because I was like, I think I've seen you. We met each other before. Because yeah. we must have seen each other at the gym. I'm sure I'll pass across. I'm trying to make eye contact with guys. Especially with bodies like yours. I'm like, oh, God, okay, I just like. That's hilarious. When no. I can compete, I'll say hello. Okay. Yeah. No, no, I, I think I just I, I changed because. Um, actually, I don't even know why I changed. It's like one of those things where you just want. Different, different environment. Different, different background. And yeah. you're like, okay. My son goes to. Uh, he has a personal trainer called Chris. You know, okay, friend. interesting. No, no, yeah. I think... Uh, you probably... But he goes at six in the morning. Probably, so, yeah, I'll, I'll so. miss him out. Yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit of a night owl sometimes. So I wake up at eight, uh, go to the gym. I probably do my first meetings around 11 or 12. And then I'll do them till like eight or nine. Mm-hmm, because, mm-hmm. Cause I so how often do you go to the gym? Uh, every day. Wow. Do you I have a, like a personal thing. trainer or no? Yeah. You just do yourself? I think it's just a mental thing for me. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's been programmed. Uh, I like... Going there fasted, and I like uh, you know earning my eating first after meal, yeah. Earning exactly. my first meal. Isn't it funny how you watch what you eat after you've exercised? Oh yeah, absolutely. When I'm not exercising, I eat shit. Yeah, yeah of course, of course. Yeah. And I, I think that this comes down to the model where we talk about discipline, right? So, do you deserve what is in front of you right now? Right? Have you earned it? Have you really earned it? Exactly. And I think that and you uh, value it more. Yeah, you value it much more. So. If, if I wake up and I haven't trained, I haven't expended that energy, I, w- I will not eat. I'll just be like, okay, I'm 
going to wait for mm-hmm. when we have to eat next, when we work out or when we do something. And you push yourself every yeah, day. Every day. Every, every day. It's just, just it's part of the program now. It's been it's been too long for me to not do it. Did you plan? <laughs> how often have you been exercising? So in Canterbury, in UK, you exercised as so well? So I was 130 kgs okay. when I was when I was young. So like nice and super fat. obese. Well, muscly or fat? No, fat. Just yeah, yeah, I was gonna straight say. up flab, right? Wow. It was, it was, I call it the Dubai Kid Syndrome. We have uh, we had groceries delivered to us. Oh, hello, since we do. 1990s. Oh no, yeah, yeah, yeah. never have to leave home. Yes. Never have to leave. So, uh, I actually understood that people exercise when I was like 17. I was like, oh, that's why you go to the gym. It's not because you're not an athlete. It's just because you got to stay fit. Uh, so ever since then, ever since then, so it's You've been like what, religiously 13, 13, yeah, 13 years. Well, don't you do do any other exercises? Um, Football, paddle tennis. Not really. I, I skateboard a lot. Uh-huh. I surf. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like water sports. I like being out in the ocean. Um, so are, you, like are your friends, uh, your peer group, uh, entrepreneurs? Or no, very interesting question. No, they're not. <laughs> so yeah. how does that make you feel? Um, are there the so lower my, peer group? Because you want to talk business, right? Yeah, you want yeah, to yeah. learn and you want to grow. So, so I, I separated in two things. One is my I've got an inner circle. Uh, now, these people are the people I trust with my life. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, at certain points when I had troubles and issues and stuff like that, I've relied on them they and they've to. relied on me. Right. And these are people that are my absolute inner circle. It's a single digit number. Right. But then there are my acquaintances. Now, the people that I hang out a lot, uh, which is non-work related, are people that are not even close to being entrepreneurs uh, because it makes me learn. It's, it's, it's some of them might be, you know, just a cashier somewhere or, or a server in a restaurant. And uh, it's also somebody that's uh, a freelancer, like he makes games, right? Now, this makes me learn because like, I'm, I'm truly interested in what you're, what you're saying, right? I, I have no use of what you're about to say to me. Right you don't now. find that they, they look at you and think, well, uh, he's successful, I'm not. I don't think no, so. I think, I think that uh, what I see is that when I, when I get away from the, you know, and this was obviously different, right? Because when I was starting my life up, I was surrounded by entrepreneurs. I think that's very important. Mm-hmm. Like uh, you, you attract what you know is, is around you. But now in this stage, I'd say that uh, in order for me to get negative space and think better and like get more uh, out of my head, I like being around people that have nothing to do with business. Wow. And uh, they, they, they teach me something that sparks maybe something else, right? And you, you tend to see that most of these people are very down to earth as well. So mm-hmm. uh, they just don't care who, either, who the hell you are. Whereas um, maybe when me and you go to a networking conference or we go there, we care about who that person is and stuff like that. So there's there's no frills, and I like that. It's it's very it's like peaceful. Yeah, I have um, my family. I I just stick to my family, and then yeah. it's work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, everything yes. else is work. Yes. Exactly. Yes. So I've got my inner circle, and everything else is work. work. Yeah. You were gonna say something. Yeah. No, no, no. That's that's pretty much all. I was is company thinking. growing? Uh, yeah. Well, with that viral monthly car wash uh, we're kind of struggling to actually get all of the supply out the demand is crazy for that so previous to the monthly car wash because that's yeah. a retainer yeah um so i just signed up on the we're going to do it after this oh hell yeah. chat yeah, we're going to do it you're going to give you a free do week off as well oh thank just you so much try it out first get thank the trust first. Thank you. if i'm going away summer mm-hmm. can you pause your yes, agreement you and then yes, come back yeah. and then so how does it work when it comes to car service uh Things go wrong. Mm-hmm. Where do you get where do you get your revenue from? Is the okay. margin, or do you charge a retainer, yeah. or do you charge for that pickup? How does it work? Uh, we so it'll work like a regular invoice. Uh, we're not a marketplace. Uh, we're an aggregator. Okay. So the money you pay me is my revenue, okay. and then I get a 
bulk pricing from my suppliers. Okay. Uh, it's not a marketplace where there's a commission or a take rate and things like that. So your prices are still very competitive. Yes, exactly. Amazing. Because that's and that includes much, the uh, pickup and the drop off, yeah. everything. So that's that's an interesting thing, right? That's where the market is because the monopolistic dealerships charge you so much more that I have ample space to play around with it, right? Like I'm not the cheapest in the market. Like mm. there will be a mom and pop shop somewhere out there that's cheaper yeah, than me. That's I'm not that target market. I'm exactly. your I'm your yeah. client base, right? Actually most of the most of the market is in that happy medium mm -hmm. because uh they have tried mom and pop shops, mm -hmm. hated the experience, mm -hmm. even though they got the thing fixed. And the other extreme of the market is getting ripped off. So the happy medium is actually where the majority of the people are. So pretty much anything. If I wanted a car wrapped, anything you yeah, can you anything. have the right people. I think the only thing we don't do is fueling, mm -hmm. uh, because my competitor is a massive fuel conglomerate. Yes, yeah. So we don't do fueling. Who are they backed by? Uh, they're actually backed by the car wash uh, business. So if you if you you, you know exactly. Is it royal family? No, it's not royal family. They're the large. They're one of the mm -hmm. largest, oldest Emirati. Uh, okay. private so they have uh, deep, deep, deep pockets. Right. Yeah, and also I think that they have a they have a fairly good fuel. Uh, uh, energy company as mm -hmm. well so mm -hmm. it made sense for them mm -hmm. to get into fuel delivery mm -hmm. uh, but we don't do fuel um, and we do everything else anything else you if do? my car in a one of the <laughs> I had uh, an issue because I used to live in an apartment block. sure so they have um, height issues yeah how can you collect a car if it's in a multi-story car park so we use valets mm -hmm. um, we don't use tow trucks uh, okay. the reason I use valets is because we expect our customers not to be experts of the car Mm -hmm. So when they actually drive the car from your home to the garage, they find out way more stuff. They diagnose the car better. So that makes sense. You don't have massive trucks going around. No. The, oh, no. And when you drop it off as well, it's a quality check. Right. So, so if my car's totally broken down, you can still service me, but then you send yeah. a tow truck. Then we send a tow truck. Uh -huh. yeah. So you qualify everybody over the phone. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Qualify it based on the... Beautiful. So that's where the service advisory element mm -hmm. comes in. Mm -hmm. And I've been told by various venture capital firms that that's not scalable. But I'd rather have somebody that knows what the hell they're talking about mm. rather than having a call it's center. It's bullshit. Of course it's scalable. Look at Zappos. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know but, Zappos, right? Yeah, exactly. So like, for a billion to... And it's all based on the call center customer service base. Exactly. And I, and I still think that um, the market is big enough for you to get amazing utility on each and every call center advisor. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. That's mm. a trade-off, I guess. Good. Yeah. So um, if I invest... Mm -hmm. What should be my expectations be? Um, gonna get yourself ten more take ads. <laughs> so yeah, if I no, put a hundred k in, yeah, I'm, serious. So I'm serious. I'm serious. I'm serious. Let's look at the people that have actually invested, right? So okay. uh, my partner today, uh, I actually met her as an angel investor, right? And your was, personal partner? No, my my uh, as my girlfriend. Well, your girlfriend. That's yeah. A, yeah. So before we dated, uh, she actually wanted to start angel investing in startups, right? So she put in her first ten thousand dollars that she's ever put into a private company in me. And that gave me a whole new pressure on the relationship as well yeah. to deliver on yes. various fronts. <laughs> yes. I've never so, met a guy who actually charged for it. <laughs> yeah, but you did very well done. Yeah, yeah. Some, someone said uh, really funnily in a meeting, uh, "You're the Tinder swindler." Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, uh, <laughs> that's a funny joke for that. So she she came in at a two point eight billion dollar valuation, right? Okay. And the company is thirty million dollars plus. So tenfold. Tenfold. And okay. it's been she invested in two thousand and twenty. Oh, amazing. It's been years. Amazing. So uh, I don't see us having the same kind of like 10, 20 X, right? Uh, but what we can give you is a liquidity event as well as a strategic premium, which is what most people should be looking for. Mm -hmm. like so either way, they can cash in at a multiple yeah. or wait a little bit longer. Exactly. Yeah, okay. exactly. So uh, how we see it is that, you know, 
as a as a startup investor, like you you can't guarantee if every single startup investment is going to mm-hmm. be the next unicorn. Um, but what you look at is you got traction. You you got yeah. a record. Yeah, you got a record, exactly. and you have you're solving a legitimate pain Problem. point that people mm-hmm. can see. It's not an mm-hmm. in the clouds thing, right? Um, and also, is it a big problem? Is it a big market? Yeah, it's a sixty-two billion dollar market. Mm. That's where are you going from outside? You, do you go to Abu Dhabi or just Dubai at the moment? We are all across the UAE. Okay. Uh, we're in India as well. Wow! And our next growth phase is in Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. Um, but today, if you had to ask me, uh, would I jump into Saudi Arabia immediately because everything is there? Uh, probably not because the market for me here is massive. Right. You're talking about five people in my industry globally. You there's know? a lot of space, isn't there? And this uh, the roads are massive. Mm-hmm. The distances traveled between huge, cities yeah. are huge. Why don't you just focus on in India? One point five billion people. Um, so we had a massive competitor there. They just recently uh, shut down uh, okay. for something completely unrelated. Mm-hmm. It was financial mis- mm-hmm. uh, misconduct. Management. Um, I'm actually waiting for that space to see what happens with the guy that buys it and mm-hmm. then capture that space. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't buy it. Uh, we tried to, we we couldn't. But uh, what's amazing is I'm I'm really good friends with their co-founders, and uh, those guys are s- amazing people, right? They they've helped me so much with how to hack wow. up the industry and wow. these little things. Uh, they're they're super close to me, so in my eyes, I don't see buying something without the people, the people that were driving it, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I truly feel like today, if you took away the MySera co-founders and just bought MySera, nothing. You're, yeah. you're buying it, you know. Yeah. You're buying a dud, right? The same thing there. So uh, having those guys was what I, I would I just would wait and for. see. Yeah, for India, and then we'll see how Saudi Arabia Timing, goes. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> um, you got into Forbes. Yeah. Was that they called you? You called them? Do you have a PR company? How, how um, did that happen? So we do zero PR. We're actually very very bad at it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's also something that we we don't really necessarily focus on as co-founders. Um, but when we got the call from Forbes, we thought it was a, it was going to be a, you know how sometimes publications get here and be like, yeah, we can do this yeah, for like $100,000, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> but we, we actually spoke to this one person there uh, and he was quite, quite interested in what we were doing because this is around the time that we killed digital marketing and we went billboards everywhere. Um, and of course that, you know, people ask questions when you see that many billboards, 268 billboards across the country, right? Like that's an enormous figure. And um, he asked us whether we're, he asked very smart questions. And I think what he was trying to understand was, are we part of this large holding company that just spits out cash? And are we two people that are, you know, billionaires that are like, you know, again, spitting out cash, just testing an idea. And when he found out that we were just two young kids that, you know, are trying our best at, you know, fixing legitimate pain points, we didn't even know it was for the list. We just thought you could have gone bust, couldn't you? You could have. We were so ad, you close. Gone bust, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. If that if that bet turned out wrong, we would not only go bust. We'd be You'd in, in jail. Yeah, we'd be in jail. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the level of risk that we took. Wow. Um. So yeah, essentially. So he spoke to you, interviewed you, and then loved you, it, and wow. he's like, "Yeah, uh, come in for the photo shoot." And then until the magazine came out, I didn't even know we were qualified. Because that that was a level of suspense, and and for me, this was never a bucket list or anything to be on the list. It came to you. I and found will out do. more and about the list after we got the list. And I was you like, got oh, you got to ride on that wave, right? You got yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely, I think you got to absolutely you got to ride out that wave. I agree. Yeah. Congratulations. 
Thank you. It's an absolute pleasure. So you have in front of you a potential investor and a definite awesome. customer. <laughs> I can't wait for that. Man, let's let's do this again in about six months. Yeah, hell yeah. I want to know about the process. Hope you enjoyed yeah. it. Absolutely. We're yeah, going to cross paths in the gym. Yeah. Definitely not to train SF, but no, you've no, got to join seven. seven. You have to. Seven, yeah. yeah, let me know. We'll exchange details, yeah. bro. Sure, sure. I'm, uh, I'm actually going to give you a uh, referral code as well. I want you to be my customer. No, if you don't mind, we actually go to the phone right now and we do it. I don't jerk around. Let's just do it. Let's do it. Thanks, Jaren. Awesome. Absolute pleasure, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Guys, I hope you've been inspired. I'll see you next time. Thank you.